Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. He hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder. He's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss-up with Pascal, 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. If Jake Plummer has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit elixinol.com to get yours today. I am your host today, AJ Hayfley. Sitting He's alongside back. Andre Andre Simone. I am indeed back. Ugh. I, uh, If you are uh, a follower at all of the Avalanche stuff, uh, you know that I have been on injured reserve for a couple of weeks as I battled a kidney issue. Uh, if you don't follow the Avalanche stuff, then you just learned all of that. And Congrats to you. Gold Star will be sent in your mail. And now you know. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> looking looking forward to the gold stars. Thank you so much. Yep. Dre, I missed you, my man. Dude, same here. Let's uh you know, this is uh I called you yesterday quite excited. Yes. <laughs> uh on my way to Avalanche practice because I was like, <sighs> the show is gonna be fun this week because of the whole Joe Flacco thing. So yep, yep. that uh kickstarted my excitement again for the draft pod this week because it means we're not going to talk about quarterbacks yeah yeah and to think the uh, week started with kyler making it official and we've talked about kyler so much it's like why even bother we've been on that train forever um and yeah then uh that that news becomes obsolete by the time we record this on a friday where uh yeah now a new quarterback and maybe a new strategy at 10 so Everything's changed. Uh, I'd say that's fair. And so that means we get to talk about something other than quarterbacks. And uh, I would say quietly I rejoice, but I'm not being very quiet about this. I'm so excited to not talk about Drew Locke this week. Oh, my God. (laughs) So 
<laughs> what hasn't changed is Denver still has the 10th pick in the draft. Yep. Yep. But the focus might have changed. You know, maybe it hasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe we're they're we're gonna they're con- going to continue to operate like, hey, still need a guy of the future, still got a top ten pick. Yeah. You know, if Drew Locke is still on the board, maybe he's still the guy. But for right now, for this week, in this world in which we get to make the decisions here, we are going to talk about options other than quarterback with that tenth overall pick. I called you yesterday, and the first thing that you said to me is, when I saw the news, I thought Devin White. So let's start there with the LSU linebacker. Mm -hmm. 10th overall, Mm -hmm. why is the first thing that you thought of Devin White? Well, I think he'd be great value at 10. I also think the top nine picks have other needs. Now we need to see how trades shake out and what have you. Not that anyone, I believe, would trade up for Devin White, but I think there could be a scenario where someone trades up, swoops in on a quarterback, then all of a sudden that team doesn't need a quarterback and their second best options, Devin White. Um, but, you know, he's second on my board, perfect in Vic Fangio's defense, um, upside, mobility, uh, you know, the just a heat-seeking missile, like a phenomenal, phenomenal linebacker. And what he could do in that Vic Fangio defense is basically become what Patrick Willis was for him uh, when Fangio was coaching the 49ers and they went to the Super Bowl. And, you know, that that mix of Fangio and Bowman was just um, incredible for him. And I think you could recreate something similar. I see a lot of reports of, oh, cornerback now becomes a top priority. I do I'm not so sure. Maybe not at 10. I think this is a, a cornerback class that the more I study it, the more I I like some of the depth. And the more it, it's been interesting, you know, going from Wade Phillips to to basically the same Wade Phillips defense where you're doing a lot of press man. You value the position differently. It's harder to find gems later because it's like, well, they can't do the essential stuff we expect them to do in this defense. Uh, but, you know, now with more zone, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy could work. Oh, wait, this guy could work. Um, so I think, you know, between free agency and the draft, you can find guys. Uh, but a stud linebacker like Devin White could make, I mean, it would make the linebacking core in Denver probably the best in the NFL or right up there. Uh, so, yeah, it, I think it'd be an incredible pick and incredible value at 10th overall if things shook out that way. Okay, so you say Devin White would give them arguably one of the top linebacking cores in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, I mean, so Why, he's... What about, what about Devin White is that transformative? I mean, he's a guy who, you know, is relentless, uh, will fight through blocks. He's a missile coming downhill and, you know, coming to hit running backs, wide receivers, what have you. Rangy sideline to sideline. Still raw in coverage, but all that mobility and obviously uh, mobility moving forward, like downhill mobility is different from mobility where you have to back up and drop into a zone. But we've seen enough of him sideline to sideline and having to back up where it's like, well, if we clean up his instincts a little bit in coverage, he certainly has all the range that you need to be a really good, um, you know, cover linebacker. Uh, you know, has the skills to run 
with to turn and run with running backs, to turn and run with tight ends. Uh, he's just a complete player with a pretty high ceiling. Uh, you will see on tape he'll whiff on some tackles and stuff, and that's just him needing to slow things down when he's about to make contact and delivering proper contact instead of worrying about like hitting this guy at full speed, which, you know, you love the effort. Um, and also, you know, his instincts need to be refined a little, uh, not be as as raw in like biting on play action fakes and stuff. But I think there are things that put in the hands of one of the best linebacker coaches um, in the NFL the past 20 years. And I don't think that's an exaggeration about Vic Fangio. Devin White could really become... Um, yeah, I guess I'd say a generational talent at the position. You and I have talked about how we think he's the best off-ball linebacker uh, to come into the draft since Luke Keekley. And maybe you've been against that and think we have to go even further back than Luke Keekley. I forget. Keekley's dope. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's not bad. Um, so yeah, does that adequately respond it? Uh yeah, well I mean I'm hey man, I'm just No, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm, I'm I'm here for you to for you to drop knowledge bombs on us. I'm just wondering if there was any holes in my analysis you'd like for me to clear up, yeah. No, I uh I'm with you. I think uh the if quarterback is not the 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 position given given free agency and the availability of quality defensive backs all over the place it seems. Mm-hmm. Um you know, using a top 10 pick on one, it's, it's tough. Uh, Especially when you've ignored the linebacker position um, with premium picks for such a long time. And you have, you do have a talent like Devin White. Yeah. And free agency will be big, you know, because there are, there are options in free agency. Of course, for the Broncos to even be players in free agency, they need to trade Case Keenum. So they're not. I'm operating under the assumption that happens. uh, Yes, me too. Um, if not, we're having a much different, sadder conversation on this pod. Um, but yeah, it's if you do have that cap and you're able to address some other needs, uh, you uh, Devin White would be a great value pick, a phenomenal player. And here's the other thing. You can't go in to the 2019 season to play the kind of defense Vic Fangio wants to play. Not just the standards of defense he wants to play, but schematically play how he wants to play defense with the linebackers you currently have on your roster. That's just not going to work. All right. Let's, uh, Devin White, a stud, a stud that we agree is a stud and kind of like Bradley Chubb last year where, Hey, if this guy lands in Denver, you and I are high-fiving on draft day. Yeah, no doubt. Though I will say, had they waited on edge rusher, yeah, boy, this this non-quarterback top 10 conversation might be a little more interesting. Just uh, throwing that out there. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you play the what-if game. Like, say say they take Quentin Nelson. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably doesn't drastically change the win-loss record. Yes, definitely not. Um but definitely would be in a position to take one of these edge, one of these edge freaks, honestly, right. in this, in this class. It's just, it's just, that's just full of them. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I mean, 
you'll you'll remember uh before he decided to stay in school i did have cleland farrell ranked just slightly higher than bradley chubb and i think there's i don't know about decent chance but there's certainly a chance that farrell would still be available at the 10th pick so, yeah there's a there's it's, a fun hypothetical game for you to play yeah yeah well, uh, the uh, hypothetical game that we are still going to play, one other guy that I do want to touch on, um, you know, we talked about, hey, there are options in free agency mm-hmm. uh, at cornerback, at but um, Greedy Williams. Yeah. S- started the season with top five hype. Yes. You know, ball skills, length, athleticism Mm -hmm. what's not to love i mean we can go back to when we did rival top tens and you were just drooling over uh greedy you uh you were i mean you were all over his his raw talents which how how can i blame you yeah as we sit today now you look at the top 10 you look at how things have unfolded and especially you look at the way that everybody's season kind of went mm-hmm. uh, between quarter quarterbacks uh, and, and edge rushers. Uh, greedy might just get squeezed out here. Yeah. If he got, if he got to the 10th pick, what are your thoughts for greedy? Well, and I think, I mean, the other thing aside from other positions, squeezing him out a little bit is that people have questioned his effort. Um, there are instances where his 2018 tape isn't up to those lofty standards that he's kind of set. Um, and that could allow him to fall too, to the point where some people don't even view him as the top cornerback in the class anymore, which I could understand simply based off the tape. I can't understand when you go off of the, the value of his skill set. Um, this has been a topic on the last couple podcasts with um, a great question about how do you examine positional value? And I've kind of explained to me, it goes beyond positional value. It goes into trait value and greedy Williams's traits are more valuable than any other cornerback in this class because of exactly how you described them, the length, the speed, the coverability, the ball skills, uh, the instincts, He's that one guy who I think could enter the NFL and pretty quickly be that number one shutdown corner who you move around the formation, have him follow the number one wide receiver on your team, and feel confident he can battle it out like uh, Jalen Ramsey, like uh, um, Marshawn Lattimore have done. You know, They pretty quickly established themselves and then became studs. What we got to see is between the ears and um, that lack of effort i.e. not a great tackler, not a guy who's going to be all that involved against the run game and stuff. And again, when we're playing the trade value game, those traits matter way less than the traits he does possess. But in a Vic Fangio defense, where you're going to play more zone, <clears throat> you do expect your guys to, to tackle out on the perimeter to make everything work. You need to, to, to be a little more instinctive and... Uh, watch the ball rather than just shadow a wide receiver across the formation. That's not an ideal fit. 
So, you know, suddenly Greedy, who might have been great value in the previous scheme or previous two schemes the Broncos implemented on defense, is a bit a bit more of a murky fit. Um, he remains in my top six. Um, you know, his the, the edge rushers haven't squeezed him out completely. Uh, but yeah, I think that all of a sudden there are more questions than we had uh, not a year ago, but at this point in late August when we were previewing the class for sure. And um, his fit isn't all that natural anymore for the Broncos either. So it, it becomes a bit more interesting. And I, I really wonder if the Broncos would go cornerback in the top 10. If that's obviously they need depth, they need quality players. Do they need Absolutely. a lockdown, shutdown guy? Or when you're allotting resources, would this resource maybe be best used towards another position where you can plug some of those holes at corner later on with guys who are more uh, better fits in your scheme and can be had at a greater, you know, at a better value? Well, and that is what we are going to talk about a little bit at the start of next segment as uh, we will continue to look at some of the other positions not n- named quarterback mm. uh, as as Denver looks to the what to do with the 10th overall selection in the NFL draft. On that note, Trey, let's take our first break. We are going to uh, reset here a little bit. Come back on the other side, and we will continue to get into what Denver could look to do with that 10th pick before we get to a whole host of questions, as y'all have brought the thunder this week. Oh, yeah. And as always, we are here to answer. Don't go anywhere. It's the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. We will be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. And we'll go back in segment number two here to BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. I'm AJ, he's Andre, we are us. And as promised, we are going to continue getting into some options that are not quarterbacks for Denver at the 10th pick. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as free agency goes on and the draft process continues to get further along, we will start to be able to hone this in a little bit more tightly. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah, right. But as of right now, we are going to keep uh, rolling through a couple of positions. 
Uh, it's fair to say Garrett Bowles has not been such a grand success mm-hmm. that he has uh, locked down that job for the foreseeable future. Right. And this is a class the, this year that has, you know, we, we thought it would have, might have a couple of guys, but certainly has one guy whose name keeps hanging around in the top 10, a uh, guy who's been in on the prospect radar for a very long time as a day one plug and play starter at Alabama. It's the big man, Jonah Williams at 10 is Jonah. Is that a little rich for, for your blood for Jonah Williams? It's right where I start to feel comfortable with the value of the pick for sure. And you know, the nice thing about Jonah independently of Garrett Bowles is that we've seen him play at a high level as a true freshman at Alabama as a right tackle. And I think, you know, um, some people are low on him. There's some length concerns. The combine will be important for him. Uh, before we even start workouts, the combine will be important for him because we got to see that length. We got to see those measurements and how that plays out. But even if he did come a little shorter, I mean, is he any, he's, he'd be an upgrade over Isaiah Wynn, the Georgia left tackle who everyone saw as a guard and the Patriots ended up taking as a tackle. Um, and I think if you did move him to guard, he could be a premier player at his position without a doubt. Uh, so, so you'd have options regardless. He'd be an upgrade and would really be um, a stud put in Mike Manchek's hands. A stud indeed. Yeah. Is there is there a temptation to maybe not take a left tackle because you have a coach the caliber of Mike Munchak? Yeah, I think to some extent you do. You know, that's an interesting debate of, well, do you, because you have this premier coach at the position, do you wait and try to let, you know, try to get some raw guys later on for him to develop? Or do you say, hey, we've got a great coach. Let's give him the best possible players and really turn this offensive line into a juggernaut. Um, I, I, I could make an argument either way. I personally would rather uh, try to find him some underrated gems a little later. And we got to see how free agency shakes out, both with the the players the Broncos have to decide whether or not they'll resign and depending on what they what decisions they make internally who they try to sign or successfully sign in free agency after that that'll shape this as well and you know Jonah isn't necessarily seen as the top offensive lineman anymore i mean there's some who are strong on the Cody Ford um, train some who really like Juwan Taylor. Uh, you know, I think going back to the discussion with greedy of elite traits and trait value, probably Yadni Kajust has the best trait value of anyone. Um, some might say Andre Dillard has the best trait value. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting offensive line class. It's a class that's grown on me and grown on a lot of people, but it's an interesting class because do you have that franchise left tackle in this group? Uh, You can kind of poke holes and say that none of these guys are true franchise left tackles. And of course that's the premier 
premier position on the offensive line. That's where you'd really be getting your money's worth. Uh, but I don't know. That seems to concern people less. It does kind of grind my gears that everyone's so down on this quarterback class because, oh, well, there's no franchise quarterback. But then we exalt an <laughs> offensive line class where there is no franchise left tackle. It's like, what what, <laughs> what are we doing? But, wh- are you comfortable else? with them potentially taking a right tackle 10th overall? Or Me? is that stigma nowhere near as, as big as it used to be simply because of the dearth of quality tackles in the NFL now? Yeah, I think that is less of a concern generally around the league. For me, maybe I'm old school about it. I do I do think that, you know, takes takes away some of the shine on a on a pick in the top ten. <clears throat> I mean, regardless of who you pick and positional value and what have you, you want someone who's a foundational building block, who perspective draft picks in the future and prospective free agents look at this team and consider whether or not they want to be drafted or signed by the Broncos. And they can look at, Oh yeah, that guy, they drafted 10th overall. He's a stud. He makes their team a lot better, blah, blah, blah. Um, So that's what really matters. And yeah, does a high end right tackle really do that for you? Debatable, debatable. And I I thought Veldir when healthy was pretty good last year too. So maybe I tried to resign him, but that might just be the other hand. Look what the what the the two rookies did for Indianapolis in protecting Andrew Luck. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And Braden Smith, a guy who we were up and down on all year, really liked him coming into the season. Then he stuck mm-hmm. at guard instead of moving at tackle, which is what we hoped he'd do. And in in the end, in the NFL, he did play right tackle. And yes, he did. Obviously, you know, was wasn't always perfect. Like no rookie offensive lineman will be. Uh, Quinn Nelson wasn't either. Um, but yeah, he he did a pretty serviceable job, and maybe that's something to keep in mind when we talk about Jonah and his length and stuff like that. Like the Patriots, one of the smartest organizations, were just fine with Isaiah Wynn playing staying at tackle. Uh, the Colts, who had a huge jump converted Braden Smith to tackle and that worked out like maybe let's not get too caught up in length and uh you know a quarter of an inch here three quarters of an inch there and try to get guys who can play uh and just plug and play them and let them fail at tackle first and if they do then you've got a high-end guard uh so who cares can Jonah Williams play he sure can yes he sure can okay just figured I would we, – we just spent five minutes talking about him. I figured I would boil it down to, hey, let's if the guy can play, the guy can play. Can he or not? Yeah, so, no. He's sound as can be. I mean, I don't have to tell you this. You know it. But for our listeners, he's sound as can be, super efficient, super balanced, uh, has just put on three years of high, high-end tape uh, against some high level of competition, very in very few games did he you know i really i i keep on saying i think the only game where he disappointed me was lsu in 2017 where arden key gave him a bit of trouble in the run game um and look he might not be a premier athlete he might not be the nastiest and he might not have elite length but he can play um 
I've heard some comparing to Ryan Ramchek. Obviously, Ramchek, you know, came from like the Juco route and his his past was kind of interesting and some questioned his love of the game and stuff. And he never got to play at Alabama as the, you know, a starter as a true freshman and then become their blindside protector on arguably the best Alabama offense of all time, certainly under Saban. Uh, and, you know, perform at a high level. So in some ways, he could be a rich man's Ryan Ramchek, which I think we would all take. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I certainly I, I would have no issues with that. Right. Yeah. Uh, OK. Well, the other guy that I want to touch on here in this segment a little bit before we move on to some questions here. It's a guy that I personally am all about. Oh my God, you're so team this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as the year has gone on, I think it's fair to say that uh, an underwhelming junior year in the, in the, just in the, in the manner that he was not as flat out dominant as he was his sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a guy that I think we're getting a little bit of prospect fatigue with. Same's and, going on with Jonah, by the way, and maybe with Greedy yeah. too. Uh, there's just some prospect fatigue with some of these top guys, and that's fine. Let them drop to ten. We're happy to take the the prospect fatigue all stars. That's totally fine. <laughs> the prospect fatigue all stars. Yeah. I love it. Well, the the guy that we're getting into here, Ed Oliver, uh, the defensive tackle out of Houston. Uh, he was a top recruit. Uh, had a mm. phenomenal freshman season, a dominant sophomore year, came yeah. in as one of the top five prospects, uh, has slowly slid his way down draft boards and has found himself in the conversation for potentially 10 or lower. Right. What would what would Ed Oliver bring to Denver at 10 that they don't have? And what's what's the big reason for the slide here? I mean, he would bring incredible burst and an elite interior penetrator who added to the two edge rushers you have would really make for a a, a dynamic front and would put, would put every offensive line the Broncos face in a true mathematical conundrum of who do you double? Because you... Obviously, the answer is Vaughn, right? When you, you know, that's what Belichick would do. He'd take away your best player. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I you shouldn't feel too confident that your dudes can block Chubb or Ed Oliver one on one. That's just it's a it's a recipe for disaster. Um, so that's what he'd bring. He'd bring a dynamic presence on the interior for the Broncos and a guy who look is still. Um, Still fairly raw. I mean, was still kind of winning off of that athleticism, and you you develop a, a pass rushing arsenal for him, develop his hands a little more, um, you know, maybe strengthen his base a bit, get his effort level to be a little more consistent. That kind of stuff. You refine the edges on this kid, and you could really be talking about uh, a superb talent. The slide has occurred because, you know, for one, he's in the AAC where he doesn't get to play against premium talent. 
And I think his effort level was a little inconsistent and he didn't always dominate the way he did. I mean, you know, he burst onto the scene as a freshman primarily because he dominated against Oklahoma, right? That was his freshman year, not his sophomore. Correct. Yeah. Is this a little little bit like Jadavion Clowney all over again? Oh, where um, he's been so high on the radar for such a long time that mm-hmm. finally his draft year rolls around and it's easy to pick it apart because he didn't win the Heisman or something crazy didn't happen. He'd set the bar so high already as an underclassman that when he became draft eligible, the fact that, you know, he was getting triple teamed every game, you know, kept him from absolutely shredding every single opposing offense every single game yeah interesting parallel i think so um no we should also mention gunt went through a coaching change um faced some injuries and missed some time so that kind of took the shine off of him and then had this uh you know uh jacket gate or so stupid so so dumb i I swear when he gets drafted (laughs) if they bring that up we are changing yeah. the channel to whatever broadcast, whatever the other broadcast is. If they bring up the jacket thing on draft day, I'm out. I mean, you spent some time in Texas. Is it reasonable to to ask a kid to not wear a jacket on the sideline if they're not playing? Yeah, absolutely. It is reasonable. Okay. It's sure, it's perfectly reasonable, but to make a a thing of it is insanity. It's yeah, it's I mean, so silly to me. It's what a waste of time. Ed Oliver was ready to tear that coach's head apart too. Yeah, it was which, so stupid. Hey, I, I love that. Um, yeah, no, ag- agreed a hundred percent. And I mean, frankly, any one of those four picks, I'd probably rank them: Devin, Devin White, Oliver, Greedy, and then Jonah, who's maybe like in the next tier but you'd have to be happy with any of those picks. And I think to some extent, while all those guys have pretty high upsides, they all have fairly high floors too, you know? Um, so you got a really love good that. chance. You're getting a, a, a long time pro player regardless mm-hmm. of caliber. Right. Right. So, I mean, at 10th overall, that's the kind of pick I'm looking for is a high floor, high ceiling kind of guy who can be a foundational piece who can be part of that. Like, tight-knit core that you're selling free agents on when recruiting them to come to Denver. All right. Any uh, any final thoughts on non-quarterback options at the 10th pick? I mean, you know, the list extends much further than this, obviously. Uh, once you take out the edge rushers and the cornerbacks, or I'm sorry, the edge rushers and the quarterbacks, uh, the list does get trimmed down, and I think the the four we've talked about and focused on here are the the best uh, the best of the crop. Once you assume like uh, Quinn and Williams most likely won't be there anymore, mm-hmm. uh, you you said the same thing about Rashawn Gary, who's said to run a four six, um, which like at two hundred and eighty two hundred and ninety pounds would be absurd, and yes, probably that would take him out the running. And I mean, so after those guys, I think the next crop is kind of 
some defensive backs like Deontay Thompson, DeAndre Bacon, Byron Murphy, guys that we've talked about plenty throughout the year. Um, and while I like all those guys, I do wonder if the 10th pick is, it's not slam dunk value. I, I could be okay with the value you get there. And actually Murphy and Baker might fit Fanjo's scheme better than Greedy. But Baker uh, would be an amazing fit. Yeah. And Murphy, I mean, whew, the way that guy moves, I was watching some Dwayne Haskins clips and seeing how well, you know, he moved against Ohio State. It's just insane. His feet are wild. His ability to to like run down the sideline with guys and, you know, just be there step by step on cuts and stuff is just insane. Byron Murphy is pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, the DBs, the co- combine is going to be huge for them, as it always is. We got to see how they test, and that'll really create some true separation for for that group. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Like, there's so, there's so much legitimate talent. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. And, I mean, any of those four names, man, it's a pick-up. Yeah. I'm not going to have any issue with that. Uh, if we have to get into some of these other names, uh, something's gone wrong. So, right. And the other names you'd rather in, like, a trade-down scenario. If that right, and and if they trade down, then Murphy and Baker, Yadni Kajus, Deontay Thompson, mm-hmm. um, those guys all become. Depending on how far down you go, that High they priority. all become primary guys that we're going to be that we would focus on. Right. If they move down, I I don't know, say five or six spots, you know who who knows whatever you know, just right. theoretically here. Right. Totally. Like, well, not d- even looking at the board, just however far they go. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, the other note from this is kind of noteworthy that only one of these guys we've talked about is plays on offense. And that's kind of the theme with this draft is, uh, yeah, not tons of offensive talent. And I was going to say, if you did trade down, just like Murphy and Baker would be in the mix with Kajust and guys like that, uh, you'd, you'd start to consider wide receiver too. And I do think speed at wide receiver, which for us, we've been pounding the table. That's a need on this team because of their lack of ability to create separation to start with. I think with someone like Flacco, who, you know, the, the, why do you get Flacco if not for the fact that his arm can stretch defenses? Well, it's yeah. not going to stretch defenses if he's just overthrowing guys by 20 yards because he's got no wide receivers that can stretch defenses vertically with him. So you do need to add speed. I think that becomes even more essential now. Speed at wide receiver. And if you did move down five to ten spots, yeah, then then we'd start talking about wideouts as well, I think, in the first round. Nikhil Harry. Hey. That's Sorry, another you can't group. get me off that board, man. You just can't. I refuse that's, to move off of it. Hey, that's that's totally fine. I'm with you. Um Though, I mean, boy, it's it's a real mishmash. That's another group where the combat's going to play a huge, huge role. I will let Joe Flacco try to overthrow Nikhil Harry. I'm not, <laughs> he, I'm not entirely convinced that he's he not could actually it. Inspector Gadget and he would just hop in his little helicopter and fly up and just grab the ball wherever. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, I mean... Nikhil Harry is such a physical freak. I'm not putting it past him that he's actually Inspector Gadget. 
I want to see how he runs. Some people question his speed, which I think shows up more as a returner than as a route runner. So that'll be interesting to analyze. Given given the the yak ability that he showed in college. Oh yeah. Um, I'm. You're I'm wondering. I, I would not be surprised if he's a uh, play fa- plays faster than he times kind of guy. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead and take our second break here. Yep. Uh, we've got a lot of questions to get to in the next segment. Yes. So uh, we are going to take our break here, come back on the other side, and we are going to listen to the people. Andre. Still go it. anywhere. I've got a lot of questions to throw at you. So. We will be right back on the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. When it comes to insurance, sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it. Well, here at BSN Denver, we recommend Farmers Agent Bryce Babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area. If I was a customer looking for a new agency, I would recommend Bryce because his agency, hands down, is the fastest people I've ever dealt with to get information back to you. That was David. He's been a client of Bryce's for over three years now. I used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up, never followed up on the price. My price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30 percent switching over to Bryce, even with the same company. And like I said, his follow-up is awesome. He guarantees you at least a one-time-a-year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you. Like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. Welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. I'm AJ Hayfley. He's Andre Simone. We have questions. Yeah. I should say you have questions. We have answers. That's right. That's very well put. So we're just going to jump right in here. Um, Andre, first question from Shaggy McLovin. I'm going to assume the three eyes means three. So uh, your guess is as good as mine. But yes, I, I, I think that's a pretty good guess. Okay. He says, first of all, Shaggy McLovin is an amazing name. Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure is. <laughs> uh, but getting to the question, he says, hey, my question is for Andre. Being a JMU alum, I, of course, have my eye on JMU quarterback, cornerback Jimmy Moreland. Even though he's coming from a smaller school, the guy is a ball hawk, and I think could become a solid contributor to a team with the right coaching. Now, I'm not crazy fan and think he will be in the top two rounds, but I think with a good Shrine game and Senior Bowl, he helped his stock. Where do you think he will go in the draft, and is he a potential Broncos fit? Dre, Jimmy Moreland. Yeah, um, wish I would have paid a little more attention to him at the Senior Bowl. Um, but, you know, I was focused in on on some other bigger profile corners. He definitely stood out at the East-West Shrine game, um, you know, and in that week, that's how he got the invite. 5'11 kids, so not super undersized. It's more, um, you know, it's more the, 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 the 176 pounds. So he's small in that. Uh, Jimmy's exactly right to say that 
you know, he is a ball hawk. There's no denying that. And I think he's pretty feisty for that size as well. Um, you know, can fly downhill. I remember one tackle uh, where he, um, uh, on Andy Isabella, one of the standouts at the senior bowl, he just flies in and makes a great tackle in space on him. So that was impressive. And he's fluid, man. Uh, he flies around. I think he's he's a bit underrated and yeah, he could fit in the system with Fanjo. I'd like for him to bulk up. I wonder if when you have him on the field, if you're kind of limited to playing him inside and Chris Harris Jr. outside. That is the thing with, you know, even though the scheme is going to fit more guys, you still want a little more length outside. Because, yeah, you do have Chris Harris Jr., who ideally can be left in, in the slot and have some guys on the perimeter to watch his back. Okay. Jimmy Moreland. There you go. But, I mean, a good name to keep in mind. We'll see how his combine goes for sure. We always like the small school guys, too. Yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying that we're at the point in draft season where I'm starting to have more time to look into the small school guys and liking more of the small school kids. And you know, the Senior Bowl was a good eye opener for a lot of those guys too. I uh, always remember. Uh, yes, uh, Greg Greg Sinat from last year from Wagner. Greg Sinat uh, from Wagner. The, the yeah, the tackle, and you were like, what? <laughs> And how crazy that from Wagner, which now, of course, is the the only school that matters in college football for Broncos fans because it's uh, where the great Rich Scangarello coached. That's right. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, no kidding. Next question is from Upstate Garbage Plate. And before I get to the question, I'm just curious if that's a reference to like the garbage plate that they serve in Rochester because... That thing is legendary. If you're unfamiliar with the garbage plates in Rochester, just go look them up. I'm, I'm curious if that's what that is a reference to. So I'll have to do that. Hopefully, hopefully it is. Otherwise, that just got real weird. <laughs> yeah. His question or her question. Hate to he, did not yeah. mean to assume gender there. Right. Hey Andre, new subscriber here, and I want to say I love your insight into the draft prospects and how the team should draft. My question is, do you think there will be an overcorrection on draft day on teams missing out on Philip Lindsay? Do you see a possibility of other teams grading an undersized speedy running back higher than they normally would, which could have a player drop down to us in the later rounds, like Miles Gaskin out of Washington sneaking into day two? Thanks always for your insight. I mean, and gosh, it's not like Phil's the only example of this. You look at the Patriots, you know, guys like James White, they've been taking advantage of... Uh, undersized running backs for a while. You see Austin Eckler, who's a guy um, we talked about a bunch coming into that draft, had a ton of success. And then, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. When we were doing the show at this time of the year, he was seen as a fringe first rounder, then became a top 10 pick because of how he tested and stuff. So I don't, I think to some extent, the NFL has already, um, you know, become more aware that in this new NFL speed is more of a premium and the ability to, you know, finding those speedster smaller backs 
isn't as much of an issue. You don't need a bell cow who's 220 pounds, though that's nice. But you can have guys like Tariq Cohen, for example, um, who who yeah. certainly have their purpose. Um, a guy in this class who's like that is Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. Uh, now, of course, what made what made Phil unique is that he was undersized, ran really tough up the middle, and I don't think ever got the credit for it. And then kind of amazed everyone with how fast he ran at at his pro day, uh, you know, clocking in at a 4.3. And then on top of that, uh, showed, confirmed that speed. You know, that wasn't just testing speed. He looked faster as a rookie with the Broncos than he ever did um, with the Buffs, where, yeah, he had good quickness, he had good speed, but he wasn't necessarily a home run threat. Uh, but he he clearly improved his athleticism to become that. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, Thompson, Thompson probably more than Gaskin for me is that guy in this class. Uh, but there's certainly, you know, a few names, it, not exactly as undersized as those two, but Tra- Travion Williams out of Texas A&M's a do-it-all type back uh, who I think we've talked about glowingly throughout the year. Uh, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State's that kind of back who I think could really blow up at the combine and gave it a lot of momentum. Yeah, yeah, I do too. He's grown on me throughout. Um, Yeah. So yeah, there you go. There's a few names for you. Yeah, I've uh, I've watched uh, a lot of Hill throughout his career with uh, my love of Mason Rudolph. So Uh, good, good, good little running back there. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. This is this is an interesting question that I think we'll probably save for another show, but I want to put it out there anyway. Um, Polly from Waukesha. Hey, Andre and AJ. Okay, I've got a podcast segment idea for the next time you two are working together. That would have been this time. Yeah. <laughs> Do a segment, what players I was wrong about last year. You could tell us about players you thought would be great, but ended up being total busts. You can also share with us who you got right. Biggest mistake I ever made in fantasy football was picking Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning out of the 98 NFL draft. What a dud. I hear Leaf, after serving some time in prison, has a radio show and works as a college football analyst on television. I wonder whatever became of Peyton Manning. Yeah. Now, Dre, you and I both really liked this idea. Um, It's, as people who do this, you know, you know, we're going to be wrong a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that we just sort of accept. And every time we end up wrong about something, we always kind of laugh about it and just move on. Um, so this, this was a really good idea. Uh, we had a solid, solid show plan for today. So we decided to push this back, but Polly, we promise we will be doing a show at some point in which, uh, we, we dig into the guys we were wrong about and some of the guys we were right about and some of the reasons why, uh, some, We'll do a little introspection. Why we got him right? Why we got him wrong? And I think Polly, I can tell we will you, not ju- we will not look into last year's draft. It might be a little early to do that, but yeah. we'll go back a few years and and give you some good takes, good and plenty of bad. So there you go. I'm I'm going to just play the tape of me <laughs> having negative things to say about Garrett Bowles on our first ever show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you being like, "Hey, man, don't do that." Right? <laughs> they might, right. they might warning you like every other episode. Like, uh, right. careful, this might come back to bite you. 
and me and me like dismissing you and being like they better not and then you know anyway uh next question sausage sanga harry says hi andre yeah i was gonna say this is this crop of questions is coming from an all-name team (laughs) like this is absolutely absolutely says, hi, Andre, I'd like your draft grade and analysis on Clayton Thorson out of Northwestern. If the Broncos do not go QB in round one, would he be an option in a later round? Or are the Broncos t- still too scarred from the last QB we drafted from there? Thanks, Harry. Clayton Thorson, a guy that we have talked a whole bunch about this year. Draft grade and analysis, is that somebody that you could see Denver taking a chance on, or are they just going to say, you know what, Northwestern's not really our jam anymore? Yeah, even someone that we talked about two seasons ago, right? Um, so He's been on our radar yeah. a lot. Yeah, and I mean, look, with a not-so-great Northwestern team, especially on offense, especially the, the passing game, had a hell of a season, right? Um, mobile quarterback... Uh, who's got, I wouldn't say an overwhelming arm, doesn't have great arm talent, but, you know, could could navigate a, a disintegrating pocket and make the throws that he needed, take what the defense gives him. I wouldn't say necessarily a pro-ready quarterback and not necessarily a guy with tons of upside. I think he profiles as an early day three kind of guy. Um I'll say for starters, we no one should be um, scared from having drafted part-time starter Trevor Simeon, part-time starter at Northwestern in the seventh round, and him actually panning out to be a two-year starter and you being able to recoup a fifth-round pick. I mean, by any measure, that was a, a fine late-round pick by the Broncos, and maybe one yeah. of the best offensive actually draft picks. So not Phil Lindsay, but actual draft picks on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos in the last like four years. Um, so yeah, you shouldn't, if anything, Trevor Simeon should make you think, Oh boy, we need to go back to the well and find more Northwestern quarterbacks. And I mean, I hope to, I hope to everything that, that this front office and no front office thinks that way that you're not, you know, you're not scouting the helmet, you're scouting the player and every player is different. And you understand that. And you know, what other players you've drafted from Northwestern should have no impact on how you evaluate other players coming from Northwestern, because that, you know, that would be lazy scouting. All right. But you know plenty about Clayton Thorson. Anything you want to add on that scouting report? I'll just say I'm not a big believer. <laughs> I was disappointed. He he wasn't I, able uh, to make it at the senior bowl, so that was a bummer. You know, I I I wanted him to be good. Uh, I just fun fun college kid. You gotta, you gotta like the guys with a lot of heart too. A hundred percent. They're real easy to. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think the problem with so. him is that you, you wonder. You know, we I talk a lot about he checks off all the boxes. He only checks off so many, and the ones he does check off, there's no like elite high end traits, which is a bummer. Right. 
wouldn't hate it if he ended up in uh, in Denver in, tra- in a in training camp and you know was a was a camp arm and they you know kept him around for a little while, but um, I would say not a priority. Yeah. Great, yeah, last question. And then we're gonna get you out of here. From Mr. T <laughs> says, Sir Andre, you're the best. I appreciate from your previous uh takes that you don't think the Broncos need to spend a premium draft pick on a cornerback because they're not a need in Fangio's scheme, even though I'd love myself some Byron Murphy. Yet I can't help but be worried about the lack of depth at corner. It seems like the only players we can count on in 2019 are Chris Harris and Isaac Yadam. That's it. If you're El- Elway, how or with whom would you build this position? That's yeah. A great question. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of those positions with with all I've said about, oh, well, you don't need a a premier corner. There's no denying they're lacking for depth and quality contributors and they need to add like multiple guys in this draft who fit and a guy i'm really high on is julian love the cornerback out of notre dame doesn't have elite really? you don't like him no 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 i have no opinion i just i mean really like him he's like at the top of that second tier of corners for me or right in the mix um and doesn't have great length but i think he checks off just about every other box and because of that length you you worry like could he be that lockdown outside corner in a man scheme and that's going to take away his value for those type of teams for the for the broncos scheme he'd be ideal he can you know turn and run fluid hips really nice um ball instincts and uh eye discipline you know he's a guy who you know, he just moves towards the ball, no problem. He's just natural at that. Good coming downhill, really talented and off coverage. Uh, you know, well, great support against the the run game. All that kind of stuff is really intriguing about Julian Love. Uh, you know, a guy who's rising is Joe Juan Williams out of Vanderbilt. This happens every year when a guy who's kind of not on the media's radar. Um, declares for the draft early and then once we get to jump into the tape uh they rise up major size major ball skills um and you know he'll win some and lose some on tape but he is always just a complete ball hawk always just as soon as the ball is thrown coming back to the wide receiver getting his hands in there i really like that uh he would have those elite traits and who knows, you know, maybe after the combine, he's a first rounder and this is out of the question. But I think he could be in, you know, he's more of a top 50 pick right now. He'd be very intriguing and would have that size to kind of balance out a Chris Harris Jr. I've always been a big fan of Jamil Dean out of Auburn. We've talked, we talked about him really early on. Physical dude, um, rocked up, looks like a linebacker at times. Um, and yeah, maybe not the most fluid. Um, he's had some ups and down, but I think he's physical and I think he can be a cover corner and he's got that size, which you like a guy that really impressed me at the senior bowl was Lonnie Johnson, Jr. Another long kid who's feisty, um, and will come downhill and, and rock you. And a guy who I, I recently studied a little bit on tape and was really impressed with is Justin Lane out of Michigan State. 
this guy, uh, he's sticky and plays with an attitude and a swagger to him. Really nice ball skills is really going to be in the mix. He's around the ball a lot. Um, some people have talked up Rocky Sin out of Temple. He's another guy who kind of fits that Jamil Dean profile, like rocked up, physical, uh, could even play some man. And look, Kendall Sheffield out of Ohio State is a high upside cornerback who just never quite put it together. I think declaring was probably a mistake for him. But he has some pretty intriguing traits, which if developed, um, could make him into a high-end a player and look, Iman Marshall, a guy who um, we we reported at the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, got interviewed by the Broncos. You laugh because we've been talking about Iman for what feels like forever, yeah. Yeah. His entire career, yeah, like truly. <laughs> um, you know, a former like five star yeah. recruit, a guy who to start his career was playing opposite Adoree Jackson, so he's getting picked on a little more. And um, he's just one of those guys who never quite put it all together, but he's had those elite flashes, has, you know, talking about checking off all the boxes, he checks off a lot of boxes and might even be, you know, gets so lost in the shuffle that he's around by early day three, and he might be a nice pick. And I mean, that's just pinpointing guys on my list who I think fit the Broncos better. Um, that's not even my whole, my entire top 10 or my entire top 20. Um, it's a, it's, it's different from year. The last two years we were so spoiled at the cornerback position. Right. Um, in fact, it's, it's a bit of a bummer that all we have to show for it is, uh, Isaac Yadam and Brendan Langley on the practice squad. Um, but, because there was just so much talent to be had. Um, and, you know, we were really high on the CU guys, but beyond the CU guys, there was just a lot of value at that position. And we kind of missed out. And this class isn't anywhere close to that kind of talent. But there's still some intriguing depth. And when you're not looking for just like the raw upside lockdown man corners, mm-hmm. it's going to become a lot easier to identify talent and identify guys you like. And, uh, that's where I'd kind of put this class in. You know, it's it's a consensus top three, and there's a drop-off after that. And there's that second tier is made up of a lot of guys with like, yeah, good natural skill, but the the tape leaves you wanting. And then there's a lot of like sticky guys, try-hard guys who'd really fit well in this scheme and are maybe a little underrated as far as their natural talent, because they might not have the size, but they have a lot of the other qualities. Um, so yeah, keep keep your eyes on this cornerback class. I feel confident you and I could put together a like strong cornerback um, room based off this draft and free agency, and still address some of these other needs we want. Yeah, I uh, we would put it together, and I would I would fight you for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So mm. personal, personal, another great name. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Who, who could play some safety could be put in the slot. You got to love his versatility, but a better feisty guy Dawson. too. Um, mm, yes. Yes. Uh, maybe significantly so. better. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's quite a bit better. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's, <laughs> yeah. uh, a very rich let's, man's Duke Dawson. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pretty much uh, the, the Steve jobs. 
version. Right, right. <laughs> right, let's get out of here. It was uh, it's good to be back, it. buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me as always. Oh my gosh, this is amazing! Absolutely, so nice catching up. Look oh, forward man, to doing more of this. It's going to be so, fun to yeah. uh, to get, dig into this class, especially once we uh, once we start getting to those simulators that I start sending you my rosters every night. That's that's when you know I've I've got the oh, bug, boy. man. Is when it's four o'clock in the morning, and I just send you here are my twelve Broncos picks. <laughs> I forgot all about the simulators until a couple days ago and I saw someone tweeting about it and I was like, oh yeah, the simulators. So when, when someone tells you I've truly forgotten more about the draft than most most people know, exactly. there you go. Simulators is a great example of that. All right. We're going to go ahead and take off for the day. Um, I guess this take off for the week, isn't it? This, this is it for us. Unreal, huh? Yeah, it's yep. it's crazy how fast it happens, man. That's for sure. Uh, you're telling me, geez. Before uh, before we wrap this up, though, we're going to pay some bills here. Got to remind BSN listeners that we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You Name it. Reminder that CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. It is definitely a favorite around the BSN offices. Make sure that you check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. For Andre Simone, I am AJ Hayfley. This has been the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.